Employment Hour back at it. 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmenthour.com. Lots of stuff to talk about today. We'll get into uh, workplace harassment, a huge topic. As like you say, Lior, it always has been, but over the last couple of years, even more so. That's coming up. Severance Pay Calculator. But first, uh, what do you have for the week that was? Uh, so, John, I uh, I have it. I had actually a really busy week. Uh, I don't know if it's... Uh Signs of things to come in the economy. I hope not, but a lot of people call me losing their jobs or uh, facing restructuring in the workplace and and things uh, that you know may not be pleasant to deal with, but are important uh, to understand. So I've spoken with a lot of people, answered a lot of questions. So we're going to talk about some of those things here on the show today. And remember, if you want to know more about your workplace rights, well, this is the show. This is the time. And of course, you can always reach out to me privately. We'll give you that information. Call me, email me. But please do so. Please ask the questions. There's no bad questions. A lot of people, when they call me, they're, they're hesitant. They're, they, they think, that, oh, I, I don't want to ask you a silly question. There's no silly questions. There, there really isn't. There's only answers and solutions. So please don't hesitate. We want to talk. We want to make sure that you understand what your workplace rights are. We've been doing this show for a long time, helped thousands of people in, during that period. So uh, please, let's, uh, let's make sure we have that discussion. And week that was, John, where we start off a couple situations that came across my desk just over the past few days. So first situation, I spoke with a, a lady that had worked for a company for th- 13 years and you know, had a steady job, was planning on working there to, till her uh, retirement. Well, unfortunately, she uh, recently had a, a, a kind of a nasty uh, fall uh, outside of the work, not related to work, and had to uh, go some under medical treatments, had to have her uh, leg in a cast and uh, hurt her ribs. It was a pretty nasty situation. And uh, her employer kept putting pressure on her to come back to work, to come back to work. We'll, we'll accommodate, we'll accommodate, we'll find uh, a way for you to work here even with all these limitations. But she couldn't. She physically couldn't. She had a hard time moving. And she, she spoke to her doctor who agreed, no, you shouldn't be working probably for at least uh, eight to ten weeks. And the company right. said, well, we don't understand why because we can accommodate you. So uh, when she finally was ready to come back to work, she was let go shortly thereafter. They said, uh, you know, we were willing to accommodate you. You didn't clearly, uh, uh, you, you, you weren't interested in the job, so we don't want you here anymore. So let's, let's talk about that because what this company did is re- very wrong. First of all, company can't let someone go because they took a medical leave. Let's right off the bat, that's a human rights violation. Can't do that. But in terms of ability to work, that's not up to the employer. The employer may say, hey, we're willing to accommodate but sometimes accommodation is not enough. Sometimes the person needs to be off work for medical reasons and the company can't say, no, no, we know better than your doctor. Hmm. We think you can come to work as long as we accommodate you, as long as we uh, are mindful of your limitations. No, in some situations, the only accommodation that's appropriate is for the company to let the person be off work, to let the person heal and follow their medical treatment and that's it. And if that's what the doctor says, company can't, put pressure on you, can't threaten you, can't give you a hard time, can't give you other options, all right? You should be able to follow your doctor's advice when it comes to uh, being off work. Very important. And by the way, there's no limit on how long you can be off work. Sometimes it could even be years. Hopefully it's not that long. Hopefully you're not that hurt. But if it needs to be, it can be. You cannot be fired, no pressure. The doctor ultimately decides what the limitations are, what accommodation is needed, and whether you can work at all. Again, one 821 5900 Help at employmenthour.com if you haven't checked it out yet. Find out where your severance should be, severancepaycalculator.com. Uh, what else you got going on? I spoke with a gentleman that worked for a company for a very short time, just uh, under two months, actually. And... Uh, 
he, he was let go because the company felt that it wasn't uh, the right fit. Well, here's the thing, John. This person previously, before he joined this company, worked for another company for about 13 or 14 years, a long time. And he was recruited through a headhunter. He wasn't looking to leave, but a headhunter knocked on his door, uh, essentially, and convinced him to make that move and join the other company. He did in good faith, uh, believing that it's going to be a good opportunity. That's what he was told. That's what he was assured. And once you know it, two months later, out he goes, mm-hmm. no job, uh, and, and you know, going from a long service job to nothing. And he was very upset, and the company offered him, they thought, generously one week's pay. Remember, he only worked there for just under two months, right? Well, not so fast. And, and why? This is a situation that we refer to as inducement. What does that mean? That means that he was recruited from another job, from a secure job, and was let go shortly thereafter. So what happens in that situation, because he was induced to leave secure employment, that now the severance that he gets is calculated on the basis of his years with the previous company. So even though he only worked with this company for two months, he's now in the eyes of the law a 14-year employee because the 14 years he had with the previous company. So he's going to be owed more than a year's pay here. Again, this guy worked for two months, and he's going to be owed more than a year's pay. Why? Again, because he was recruited from another job. So there's an there's a couple of important lessons. One of them is if you're going to leave a secure job to take another job, be very careful with what you sign. You don't want to sign an agreement that says you're on probation. You don't want to sign an agreement that limits your severance. Why would you do that when you're leaving a secure job? No, absolutely not. You should never do that. And if you do lose your job after being recruited from another company, you may be owed this enhanced severance. You may be owed severance based on your service with the previous company, and it can make a huge difference. So remember that. Use use uh, that information if you ever leave a secure job, and be very careful with what you sign. Email address is help at employmenthour.com. The phone number anytime to reach out. Talk to Lior, a member of the team. That's simple as well. one 821 5900 The topic of workplace harassment, we will get to that after a short break on the Employment Hour, right here on Global News Radio. We are right back at it after a, a short break. Uh, 1-855-821-5900. That is the number to reach out, get a hold of Lior and the rest of the team at the firm. Help at employmenthour.com. We'll try to get to some emails a little, uh, little later here on the uh, on the show. You know, we had a, a recent show where we began the conversation on workplace harassment, but we, we couldn't get very far because we had a ton of phone calls. Uh, so I want to get right back into this. Um, as far as uh, what you know and what you need to know about workplace harassment, right? Workplace harassment, an important topic, a big topic. I, I wish it wasn't, frankly. I wish uh, those issues were rare and we didn't really have to talk about them. But no, they're, they're, they're common, they're problematic. People need to know how to deal with harassment. Employers also need to know what their obligations mm-hmm. are if they're faced with a harassment complaint in the workplace. So we're going to talk about that, what it means, what to do. If you've been harassed, if you're being mistreated, uh, you need to know how to deal with it. So we're going to talk about that right now. Well, just uh, break it down off the top, if you can, just define it. What is workplace harassment? What qualifies as? So workplace harassment is actually quite a broad term, and it really includes any type of conduct that could be considered to be unwelcome in the workplace. Any conduct that looked at reasonably would be considered unwelcome. So if you think about it, you know, it's, it's quite broad. And it, it includes any type of conduct uh, that, that's inappropriate, you know, from, from name calling to, you know, putting down to even excluding you from things or meetings that you should be part of, uh, to using inappropriate language, uh, you know, making you feel like you're, you're terrible, you're doing a horrible job for no reason. 
All of those things, all of those things are workplace harassment. So we're not just talking about things such as sexual harassment. In most cases, believe it or not, harassment actually has nothing to do with, with sex or gender. It's just, you know, it could be two, two, two men, two women. It doesn't have to have any sexual connotation. It's just one person treating someone else inappropriately. And that is workplace harassment. That is inappropriate, and that is something that the law does deal with. John. You deal, and, and you know, no hyperbole here, hundreds of people a week you talk to on the phone and otherwise. How often, how common is it for you to come across it? Again, I wish it wasn't common. I really wish that that's something I'd come across a couple times a year, but no, I, I deal with this every day. It is a very common issue, and I find that every year, you know, I've been doing this for now for 16 years, and every year it becomes more common and more, more prevalent because I think the, the, the stigma associated with it is, is, is fading away. In the past, people felt bad or guilty talking about workplace harassment to acknowledge that they've been harassed. And I think that idea is, is fading away. People are comfortable to stand up and say, you know what, that's inappropriate. I'm being harassed and that's wrong. So because of that, I speak with people all the time that face those issues. And, and let's, let's make sure that we understand. Workplace harassment is a big deal. I've spoken to many people that because they've been harassed and mistreated, eventually it impacted their health. Yep. Now they had to go on a stress leave, on a medical leave, and, and it impacted their, their whole lives, their families. It's a big deal. It's not something we can ignore. You mentioned it's not always sexual harassment. So uh, break it down. Give me, a, give me a typical example you deal with. Oftentimes it could be between a, a boss and an employee where the boss is, is mistreating the person, treating the person with disrespect. Uh, making sure that the person uh, feels uncomfortable in the workplace, creating a poisoned work environment, an environment that, that's unhealthy, that's not conducive to working. Uh, I see that often. It's on, it's, it's, sometimes it's bad management. Sometimes the reason could be that the boss hopes the person is going to give up and quit right. so they can hire someone else. Inappropriate. It doesn't have to be between a, a, a boss and, a, and a, an employee. It could be between two employees where you know maybe one has... Uh, inappropriate and, and completely wrong sense of humor and thinks that the other person finds their behavior to be to be uh, funny or humorous and says things, does things that are inappropriate. So workplace harassment can take uh, a number of, of forms. And of course, th there is such a thing as uh, sexual harassment. Of course, it's a big deal when, you know, there's name calling and, and propositioning and even potential, you know, touching that that's completely wrong. In some cases, it can it could be sexual assault. Sexual harassment is uh, inappropriate conduct based on uh, on gender or sex, and those types of behaviors, that type of conduct, is common. Happens often. Doesn't have to be sexual. Other harassment as well. Boss and an employee happens all the time. Want to reach out again? One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmenthour.com. Want to talk a little about uh, legal remedies as far as harassment is concerned, uh, both with employees and employers. First, with employees, what uh, what do they do? Well, then that's always the question. The question is, okay, I, I am being harassed. I'm being mistreated. I, I am a, a victim of a poison work environment. What do I do? So the first thing to understand is that because this is inappropriate, you can treat that, you can treat harassment as a constructive dismissal. So in other words, you can extract yourself from a bad situation, from harassment uh, by essentially leaving, but that's still considered a termination and you can get compensation. You can get severance. So one of the remedies available to you if you're a victim of workplace harassment is to treat this as a constructive dismissal, to, to get out of there and not have to deal with that, that behavior anymore, but still get compensation. 
uh, that that's definitely a remedy. There could be remedies also under the Human Rights Code. If it is sexual harassment or harassment based on your age or uh, ethnicity, that again, that's a human rights violation. That's illegal. They, you, you shouldn't ever be in that situation. And there could be damages and compensation owed under the Human Rights Code. So from a legal standpoint, those are the main remedies, remedies under the Human Rights Code and constructive dismissal. You know, unfortunately, here's the thing. There is no physical way to stop someone from, from harassing you. It's just dealing with that. And oftentimes, mm-hmm. dealing with that means getting yourself out of there, you know, getting yourself out of that terrible situation, getting compensation, and moving on, hopefully, to a job where that's no longer an issue. We're going to deal with the employer's side of harassment after we uh, take a short break here to reach out, get a contact, or get a hold of Lior and the rest of the team, one 821 5900 and help at employmenthour.com. Employment Hour rolls on right here on Global News Radio. 1-855-821-5900 and help at employmenthour.com. Uh, continue our discussion uh, about a very timely topic, and that would be workplace harassment. We we spoke about and then chatted about what to do as, uh, as an employee and uh, what legal ramifications there are. Let's switch over to the employer side. If they've recognized it or if you're a boss and you've had a harassment complaint or something around that nature, uh, first steps, what do you do? Well, first thing you do is you take it seriously, okay? It's as simple as that. You have to take it seriously. There's no such thing as, oh, you guys deal with it, or boys will be boys, or that's not my problem. Yes, it is the employer's problem. The employer has to take it seriously. So what does the employer do? Well, the first thing the employer does is it investigates the issue. Uh, it, it either does it itself, or you can even bring in an outside investigator, but you have to investigate. That means talking to everyone that, that may have knowledge or information, getting people's perspective, getting people's uh, uh, evidence, if you will. You need to get to, to the bottom of what actually happened. The fact that there's a harassment complaint doesn't mean that it's always necessarily true or accurate. The employer doesn't have to assume that it's correct. The employer has to investigate investigate seriously. Sometimes it could be a large investigation. Maybe you need to talk to many, many people. But you have to do it by law. You have to investigate. And then once you've done the investigation, if you can corroborate what happened, if you come to the conclusion that there was workplace harassment, you have to take remedies to fix that problem. That may mean letting someone go that was engaged in harassment or or other forms of discipline. That may mean training, having new policies and practices, maybe putting people in different locations so they don't work together. Whatever it is, there's a number of possibilities, but you have to take it seriously. You have to investigate, and then you have to take measures to fix the problem and hopefully to ensure that those issues don't happen again. Couple questions then. Uh, what happens if this employee can't go to the boss because the boss is the one doing harassing? And then what happens if the boss or the employer doesn't act on it, does nothing about it? Well, the first thing, of course, you always want to do if you can, if you're a victim of workplace harassment, is to try to deal with it internally, to try to speak to someone, talk to the HR manager, talk to the boss, talk to the owner, talk to someone in a position of authority within the company and hopefully get them to fix the problem. Tell them what's happened. Give them as much information as possible. Tell me, you know, this person is harassing me. Here's what they're doing. Here's the information you need to know, the dates, the people that may know more. Tell them all that. And because once you do that, as I said before, the employer is under the obligation to take it seriously, investigate and fix the problem. But as you just asked, John, in some situations, you can't do that because maybe it is the boss that's harassing you. Could be a small shop, right? It could be a small shop. Maybe it's the owner of the company. Who are you going to complain against the owner, right? I mean, there's no one higher up uh, within the company than the owner. Or maybe you've actually done it. You've complained and nothing's happened. If you've, if you've tried to complain, nothing's happened, or really there's just no one to complain to, well, at that point, we have to deal with it externally. 
And what I mean by that is at that point, we have to consider getting you out of there. If we can't fix the problem, if we can't make the workplace better, there's really only one solution. And then let's get you out of there. Let's get you compensated. So once you've, you've tried to resolve it internally and that's failed, I want you to call me. I want you to email me. I want to ask to connect right away. What I don't want you to do is say, well, I've tried. I guess I have no choice but to grin and bear it, but to, con- but to continue suffering. No, that's not right. That's not a choice. That's not a reasonable thing to do. It's going to impact your health. I want you to contact me. I want us to talk about how we get you out of there, get you compensated, so hopefully you can move somewhere where you don't have to face workplace harassment. So number one, try to resolve it internally. If you can't or if you've tried and nothing's happened, call me. Again, the one 821 5900 is that number. You mentioned uh, you know, a couple minutes ago about you know telling everybody or who you're reporting to if there's harassment about times, where it happened, when it happened. That speaks to documentation. In this case, just as important. Absolutely. It's so important. So if you're going to go to the boss, the owner, the HR manager and tell them about workplace harassment in an ideal world, you really, really would like to have something that corroborates what you're saying. And you do that by trying to document the event. So if someone is mistreating you or harassing you, have some record. Maybe you have a journal or a diary where you write down what happened on a given day. So, you know, June 15th, this happened. June 17th, this happened. Or even better, send an email to the person telling them what they've done and telling them that that's inappropriate. Create that record. And then once you have that record, you can go to the HR or the owner, whoever you're going to speak to and say, here it is. Here's my proof. Here's the documentation. It's not just my word against someone else's. I have something to corroborate it. So in an ideal world, you always want to document as many things as possible. Uh, and again, it could be as simple as having notes for yourself or little notes, memos for yourself. That works quite well as well. Uh, it makes it so much easier to pursue human rights. And once you pr- give that to HR or the owner, they can't ignore it. They can't say, well, we don't know if this is true. Well, yes, you do, because here's what I have to prove it. Very important to do that. One final question before we, uh, we break on harassment. What if uh, the person being harassed, it's because of, say, ethnicity or, uh, or a medical condition? So that's a human rights violation. I touched on that a bit earlier, that that, at that point, the harassment becomes more than just harassment. It becomes a human rights violation. You cannot be mistreated because of certain prohibited grounds, because of your gender, your race, your ethnicity, your your sexual orientation, uh, age, etc. You cannot. And, And if you do, not only is that a constructive dismissal, just like any regular harassment would be, that's also a human rights violation. That, that comes with significantly more consequences for the employer. So take that seriously and reach out to me if you're ever in that situation. Got a lot more to discuss. Going to get to some emails as well after a short break. It is uh, 1-855-821-5900 to get a hold of Lior and the team and help at employmenthour.com. Lots more on the way. Employment Hour on Global News Radio. Going to get into our uh, discussion about dependent contractors here in a moment. Wanted to bounce over to an email. Again, it is help at employmenthour.com. You want to contribute? No problem. We'll, uh, we'll get to them. Richard writes in, says, I just found out that some uh, new employees my company has hired get more vacation than I do. Can the company do that? Well, you know, the, the short answer is probably uh, you can't do much about it. And the company can do that. You know, it's obviously unfair. Let's be very clear. It's not cool. But it's yeah. not cool. It's not, it's not right on many levels, but it's also not illegal. Now, the one time it could be illegal is if there's a inappropriate reason. Maybe uh, you're not getting more vacation because of your age or because uh, of your ethnicity or some because of your gender. You know, the men get more vacation than the women. That's wrong. That's illegal. That's a human rights violation. They can't 
prefer people over others because, because of uh, prohibited grounds. But if the company simply says, ah, you know, we, we like Bob more than Joe, so we're going to give Bob more vacation, not good management. Let's be very clear. Not good human resources, but also not illegal. So what would I do in that situation? I would talk to the employer. I would tell them, you know, I don't think it's right. I've been here longer. I work hard. And, and you know, I understand that these people are getting three weeks vacation. I only have two weeks. I, I want you to, to give me three weeks as well. And you know what? A reasonable employer is going to do. A reasonable, a reasonable employer is going to say, fine, you're right. We'll do that. If your employer is unreasonable, they're not going to do it, but it's also not illegal. So kind of a uh, not a very nice thing to do, but not illegal, unfortunately. We've uh, talked about dependent contractors on this show in the past, and uh, we had actually we did it on a recent uh, edition of Employment Hour and 30 on Global TV and CTV as well. Um, we often talk about people being other employees versus independent contractors. A uh, quick reminder, uh, why is it so important to know the difference between the two? Well, employees and independent contractors, you know, it's important because generally speaking, when we talk about employment laws, right, uh, employment laws apply to employees, whether it's overtime and vacation pay and statutory holiday pay, termination, severance pay, all those things apply to employees. Their employment laws applying to employees. Mm -hmm. They don't apply to independent contractors. Uh, and if you're an independent contractor, essentially kind of the, the Wild West, you're not, you're not having the protections of the law. The problem is, and our regular listeners know this, is that many people are misclassified. They really should be employees. They should have the full protections of the law, but they're being called independent contractors even, they're, even though they're not. So that's an important thing to remember. Many people are misclassified. If you have a regular job, you're probably an employee. It doesn't matter what you call yourself, which means you should have the full protection of the law. Other than employee, independent contractor, is there not a third category? So there is. So on the one end, we have an employee, someone that has a regular job, goes to work for a company, uh, gets supervised and managed by someone for the company, report to someone, has business cards, goes home, comes back, does it the next day, mm -hmm. employee. On the other side of the spectrum, we have independent contractor, like your plumber, your electrician. You know, when you call a plumber, that plumber doesn't work for you. He's not an employee. He is an independent contractor. He runs a business. He has many customers. Uh, and, and, you know, you don't necessarily supervise the, the plumber, etc. So on those two ends, we have an employee. We have an independent contractor. But there is an in-between category, and that is a dependent contractor. Dependent. So a dependent contractor, someone that's not an employee, but is actually not independent. Really, that means it's someone that's financially dependent on one company. Does so much work for one company that they're not independent. They depend on that uh, company for money, uh, for income. And that person has more rights than an independent contractor would be. So it's not just a situation of whether you're an employee or an indep independent contractor. You may be somewhere in between, John. You may be a dependent contractor. So other than that, how would I know if I am, how do I qualify for that particular position? So you know you're a dependent contractor if you, you are running your own business. You have a number of uh, companies you work for, a number of customers or clients, but there's one customer, one client that you really get the bulk of your work from. Uh, for, uh, from. You do most of your work, you know, 80% or more of your work from one company, let's say, uh, and if you lost that, that company as a client, you'd be uh, in big trouble financially, then you're probably a dependent contractor of that company. You're clearly not an employee. You have a bunch of clients. Uh, you're, you're not uh, someone that uh, has a regular steady job but you're depending financially on one company. If that's your situation, you can probably look and say, yeah, you know what? I'm not an independent contractor. 
I'm a dependent contractor. What would be a good example of that? So a good example would be someone that, that provides a sales uh, a, a roles and may have right. a number of customers, clients that they sell products for, but there's one big customer, for example, that they, they sell most of their stuff for and they get most of their work from. I've spoken with many people like that over the years. Uh, you know, like, yes, I have seven customers, but one of them gives me 85% of my work and God help me if that customer decides they don't want to work with me anymore. And that, in that case, I'm in big, big tr- uh, trouble financially. So that is a classic example of being a dependent contractor. If that happens to you, then you're in that in-between category and you have certain rights that an independent contractor wouldn't. Right. Speaking of that, if you're, if you're that guy and that company decides, you know what, we've, uh, we've had enough of you, don't need you, here's your hat, what's your hurry, out the door you go, is there severance involved? And that's the thing. And so a dependent contractor doesn't actually have the same rights as an employee to overtime, for example, or right. vacation pay or statutory holiday pay. You don't get those things because you're sense. not an employee. Yep. But the rights you do have comes to severance. Because the law recognizes that if the company that you get so much business from, if they let you go, you're going to be in big trouble. The law makes them pay you severance like you were an employee. So essentially what that means, if you're a dependent contractor and the company that you work for, the one, the, your big company that you work for, your big client, your big customer, they decide to end the relationship, they have to pay you severance. They have to pay you severance like they would if you were a regular employee. Wow. We would look at the same factors, age, position, and length of employment. And that's important to understand because you could actually not be an employee. That's exactly what I'm saying. You, you may not be an employee and still be owed full severance if you lost your job because you're not quite an independent contractor. You're that in-between category. You're a dependent contractor, and that triggers your severance entitlement. We'll continue our uh, chat a little more about uh, dependent contractors here after a short break and some of your emails to wrap up the show today as well. one 821 5900 and help at employmenthour.com. This is the Employment Hour on Global News Radio. 1-855-821-5900. That is the number to get a hold of Lior anytime. Member of his team, just call the number. Go to uh, help at employmenthour.com to reach out through email. Got a couple more things to cover here when it comes to dependent contractors. Um, how common is it for someone or an employee or a person, for that matter, to be called independent contractors when they are really dependent contractors? Well, every single dependent contractor is actually called an independent contractor. So I've never seen in my life, nor will I ever see, <laughs> an agreement that says we are hiring you as a dependent contractor. A yeah. dependent contractor is a legal term. So it's 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 really a, f- a type of an independent contractor. So. To, to find out if you're really a dependent contractor, you can't ask the company, you can't go look at what you signed, the answer is not there. You have to consider what I said before, which is, are you financially dependent on a particular company? It doesn't mean you get all your work from that company, but you get most of it, you get the bulk of it, you know, the vast majority of it, then you're a dependent contractor. So that is quite a common situation. Uh, many people that are not employees, uh, you know, don't have a hundred customers. They have two or three and one really big one. And if that's the situation, you may be a dependent contractor. And again, that wh- when is that important? That's important if that relationship comes to an end, because at that point, you're out severed. This last 15 minutes, a lot of people listening, or at least a great deal of maybe going, oh, you know what, I'm not sure enough. I'm an employee or some type of contractor. How would they know? Well, think about uh, where you get your money from. Think about uh, how much you get from, a, from each customer, from each client that you work for. Uh, and if you're not sure, call me. Let's talk about that. In some situations, I can ask you some questions and tell you, yes, you're a dependent contractor, you're an independent contractor, or you're an employee. And by the way, here's an interesting tidbit. 
Most people call me thinking they may be a dependent contractor. They're actually employees. Right. And then you do have all the rights of employment. You know, it, it, if, if you're sitting there debating, am I an employee, am I a dependent contractor, am I an independent contractor? What I can tell you right away is you're not an independent contractor. Because an, an independent you contractor know. knows. There's no debate, there's no question, okay? They know. You know, the plumber, again, the plumber is not sitting there listening to a show uh, here and saying, hmm, wait a second, am I really an employee? No, the plumber knows he's not an employee. So if you're wondering, at best, maybe you're a dependent contractor, potentially you're an employee, you're definitely not an independent contractor. Again, you want to know, you want to talk about it more in depth, just give me a call. And again, there's there's legal and, and tax ramifications if you're misclassified too, right? Absolutely. If you're misclassified, if you really are an employee and you're misclassified as an independent contractor, then you're, you're giving up certain rights that you would have, but also you have to be careful from a tax standpoint because you may think, oh, wait, okay, I'm an independent contractor, so I'm going to get certain deductions, I'm going to deduct my, my mileage and my home office and uh, my kids' education and... If ever you get audited by CRA and CRA says, no, well, wait a second, you weren't really an independent contractor. You were misclassified. You really were an employee. Well, guess what? CRA is not going to be very happy about that. And there could be fines and penalties, back taxes, et cetera. So you have to be careful. It makes sense for both the employer and the employee to call it employment if it is employment. Don't misclassify. makes no sense. It's huge liability. Why would the employer do it then? Well, they save money. It's much, much nice. cheaper to have an independent contractor than to have an employee. You save a lot of money. You don't have to worry about the silly employment laws. You don't have to uh, pay go- the government EI and CPP. You don't have to have a payroll system. Uh, you, f- you figure you can terminate without severance, without termination pay. It's a huge saving of money, which is why companies do it. But think about it. If it was that easy... Nobody would be hired. Nobody. Everyone yeah. would be an independent contractor. Why would anyone ever be an employee? Well, obviously, it's not that easy. It's substance over form, uh, and that's why it's so important to get it right because a lot of companies want to save money, and they think they're doing it legally. They're not. It's a misclassification. Barry, his email is up next. Again, employmenthour.com says, my colleagues and I just found out that the company we work for uh, will be shutting down at the end of the month. The owner of the company told us that because there are only five employees in the company, we don't get severance. Is that correct? Another big misconception. We've talked about this so many times on this show, my God, more than I can count, and so many times I still see it. No, you get severance regardless of the size of the company. You may be working with a company with two employees or 2,000 employees. It does not matter. If you lost your job, you're owed severance. Yes, you heard me right. You are owed severance. Uh, It's based on your age, your position, and the length of your employment. You can go to severancepaycalculator.com to find out how much that severance is, to find out what you're actually owed. And, and you know, the, the, this misconception, John, comes from our friends at the Ministry of Labor. Yep. You're going to go look up the Ministry of Labor information, Labor Board, and you'll find the website. You'll find information online that says you only get severance if you work for a large company or you only get severance if you work for more than five years. That is incorrect. That applies to your minimum entitlements. It does not apply to your full entitlements. Your full entitlements have nothing to do with that. That's misconception. I've been fighting with them for years and years to get them to fix this, to get them to give people the right information. Unfortunately, they're not. It's something that I struggle with all the time. But no, you get severance in this situation. The plant's closing. I don't care how many people there. I don't care how long you've worked. 
go to severancepaycalculator.com. And you get the same severance as anybody else, correct? Same severance, no, not a dollar less. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, severancepaycalculator.com. Moving on to uh, Jessica. So she's, uh, we got a couple minutes left. Yeah. Says, uh, I'm the only woman on the uh, shop floor at my company, and I'm constantly put down and subjected to demeaning comments. I've spoken to my boss, and nothing was done. Do I have no choice but to quit? Well, we, we, we talked about that. It's workplace harassment. Yep. And, and obviously, it's inappropriate. Everyone by now would know that uh, if you're subject to workplace harassment, that's wrong. You shouldn't be harassed. You shouldn't be mistreated. You shouldn't be put in that situation. It seems like she did the right thing. She went and gave the company the chance to fix it uh, so that the company can't say later, oh, we didn't know. Well, this company knows because she told them. She told them, I'm being harassed. I'm being mistreated. Please, please do something about it. Well, if this company won't do anything about it, that is wrong. They're breaching their obligations. That is a constructive dismissal. Could be also a human rights violation. So even though she will, she can quit, that would actually be a constructive dismissal so she gets paid. So I would want to talk to her, make sure that, that she, she can establish it. We maybe draft a, an email to the company making sure that they understand that she's resigning not because of the fact that she wants to spend more time with her family, but she's resigning because of what's been happening in the workplace. And then we can pursue this as a constructive dismissal. It happens all the time. So don't just quit without talking to me first and absolutely go speak with your boss, go speak with HR, go speak with the owner if you're being mistreated. And hopefully she's documented some of the stuff. It'll make your life a lot easier. Right? Absolutely. And by the way, if she yeah. hasn't, it's not too late to start. Yep. You bet. We'll take a short break. A couple more emails before we wrap for the day. 1-855-821-5900. If you haven't gone there yet, to check it out. Severancepaycalculator.com. And email address is help at employmenthour.com as well. Lots more on the way. Employment Hour on Global News Radio. Any time to reach out, 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmenthour.com is the email address we use for the show and for you to write in. Get to uh, Leslie here. Leslie up next says, I work for a very large retailer and was let go with six months severance after 10 years of employment. I assumed that this was fine, but after using your severance pay calculator, it says I should get 12 months severance. Can this be? Well, you, oftentimes when people work for large companies, they assume, well, the company must know what they're doing. Sure. Right? They're a big company. They're sophisticated. They've done this a thousand times before. So if they say six months is what I get, then six months must be what I get. Nonsense. Absolutely not. 70% of my clients are people that have been let go from large companies huge name companies that you would recognize in a second and and they're still offered less there could be a couple of reasons either the company hopes that the person doesn't know better or the company just got it wrong okay big companies get it wrong just as quickly just as easily as large companies so right off the bat don't ever assume that just because you're working for a large company they gave you what you're owed chances are no that they haven't check out severancepaycalculator.com and, and sure enough after 10 years of employment six months severance yeah that's less that's a lot less than what she's owed. She's probably owed double that, closer to 12 months pay. So again, that's a wrongful dismissal. A wrongful dismissal is simply a situation where you let go without proper severance. Now, where I'm getting concerned here is thinking she may have actually accepted it. Yeah. Uh, from the sounds of this email, John, it seems like you know they offered her six months. Maybe she's accepted it and realizes now that it should have been more. If she did accept it, if she did sign off on that severance offer, it may be too late to do anything about it. She may be stuck even though she got half of what she was owed. Uh, I hope that's not the case. If she hasn't yet signed off on anything, please, please give me a call. Let's talk about that as soon as possible. You're owed much more. If she signed it, then all it is is a lesson for her and, and others moving forward. Don't do that. 
don't sign and, and don't assume that, again, big company, they know what they're doing, so I may as well sign because that's all I'm getting. No, it is your job to figure out how much you're owed. It's your job to get it right. And if you can't count on the company doing it, big company or small company, it doesn't matter. You know, it's funny, they're offering her what looks to be about 50 cents on the dollar. And a lot of the times, in fact, I read you a text last week about a friend of mine who, even if they know this, they've heard this show, they're like, ah, you know what, it's okay. What? They're so nonchalant about it. But if, you know, if I were to lend this person $50,000 and say, you know, I'll give you 25 back, they're going to say, not a chance. But it's the same thing. Why it's are you giving up money? Exactly. And, and, and oftentimes people give up money in this situation uh, because they're afraid to pursue it. Right. They're afraid to pursue it. They're afraid of the process. They're afraid of getting engaged in, in a legal battle because they may think, well, what chances do I have against this big XYZ company? They're big. They're, they're deep pockets. And I'm just a person. Well, here's the thing. The law is the evening out, evens out the playing field here, okay? The law is the one takes care of, of, of what you're owed here. So it's not difficult to pursue your entitlements. It's not expensive. It's not complicated or long, okay? And oftentimes it can resolve quickly within a few weeks with a letter or two. That's all it takes. So don't be afraid of the process. It's, it's not relevant who has the deeper pockets. It's not deep pocket wins. It's whoever is right wins all the time. And it's not costly. It really it's isn't. Not. It's not. It really isn't. It's, it's not. It's not at all. And, you know, I will never recommend anyone spend money on something that they're not going to get a return for. And in many cases, we can work out an arrangement where you don't pay anything and the company reimburses for legal fees in any event. So please, please, please do not be afraid of the process. We'll get to Fred here again. Help at employmenthour.com. Fred writes in, says, I was suspended without pay and the company won't tell me when I can go back to work. Is there anything I can do? Well, the problem with the suspension without pay is that a company is actually not allowed to do that. Uh, suspension without pay generally is a constructive dismissal. So a company is allowed to discipline if it's warranted. Okay, let's be very clear. Uh, they're allowed to, to even suspend with pay. But generally speaking, the only time a company is allowed to suspend without pay is if you sign an employment agreement that specifically gives the company the power to do that. If you did not sign an agreement like that, then the company doesn't have a right to suspend you without pay. That is considered or can be considered a termination or, or more accurately, a constructive dismissal. So if a company suspends you without pay, you, you do have the ability to say, no, I'm not accepting that. I'm going to treat that as a constructive dismissal. I'm going to treat this as a termination and get my severance. Now, if this suspends you for a day or two, you may not make sense to do that. Right. You're not, you don't necessarily want to walk away from your job because they suspended you for a day without pay, even though it's not something you like, clearly. But if it's a longer suspension, like this person uh, that, that uh, emailed us, well, it's a longer suspension and they're not even telling him, they're not even getting back to him in terms of when he can come back to work. Well, he now can treat that as a constructive dismissal. He can now say enough is enough. I am forcing the issue. I'm going to make you uh, pay me my severance. Now, my last point on this will be that if he decides to uh, accept this the rollover, yeah. yeah, rollover uh, and come back to work if and when they deem it appropriate to call him back, well, he's now given them the right to suspend them without pay again in the future. So even though the company doesn't have a right to suspend you without pay, if you let them do it the first time, arguably they now can do it again and again and again. And that's a problem because the next time they do that, he may not be able to do anything about it. And by the way, if you don't agree with the suspension, if you don't think you did something to justify it, say so. Say so in writing. Silence is not acceptable. Silence is the same as saying I agree. So there's a number of ways to deal with that. 
the, the biggest one is to treat that as a constructive dismissal. It's amazing. Again, this is another one of those stories where we hear people all the time. It's like, you know, they, they just take it as, as normal to be off work for two, three, four months and then go back. You're not getting paid. No. A- anytime you're off work without pay. That's that, not the deal. That's not the deal. That's not how you signed up. That's not what you signed up for. Exactly. You didn't agree to be put off work for whatever reason without pay. Temporary layoff, unpaid suspension, whatever you call it. It's not something an employer is allowed to do. Work is very simple, the, the idea of work. You go to work, they pay you, you go home and you come back and do it again. Nice. It's as simple as that. If a company changes it, then guess what? They've breached the terms of employment. You can treat that as a termination and get your severance. Before we go, severance pay calculator. I know you love to talk about it. You lost your job. You want to know how much you're owed. We, you know, <laughs> I, I, I like to say all roads lead back to severance. It's so true. They do, and it's true. Uh, you need to know how much you're owed. You go to severancepaycalculator.com, and you may ask, as a lot of people do, well, I don't need that. I know what it is. I've been doing this a long time. I know I get a week's pay per year of service, or I get two weeks pay per year of service. Wrong, wrong, wrong. You don't believe me? Try it out. Go to severancepaycalculator.com right now. Find out how much you're owed, the real amount, and never, ever, ever sign a severance offer or let anyone sign a severance offer without going to severancepaycalculator.com. It's free. It's anonymous. It's easy to use. There's no excuse not to use it. Good stuff for uh, another week. You want to reach out now? Well, well there's severancepaycalculator.com. We know that now. There's also email, help at employmenthour.com. The phone number uh, works just as well, one 821 Till next time, the Employment Hour on Global News Radio.